If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Jonathan Hood and I talk about the ongoing discussion when it comes to fans with AEW and NXT. It's definitely a war on Wednesday nights, but it's definitely now about the fans instead of the show. Also, we talked to Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer for the first time on Busted Open. He has a new book called 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, and we get into the book, but we also get into the topics of today. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. (laughs) Are you in a Hall of Fame for anything? Because I'd love to say... My Hall of Fame partner, Jonathan Hood. Like, are you in any kind of Hall of Fame, even dating back to maybe grade school or something? No, but I right. can, you can say I'm one of the best tag team wrestlers in the history, and I'd say, nope, nope, it's Bobby Eaton. Okay, are you like, are, oh, I heard that, yes. Are you like an innovator of anything? Like, can I say, like, you know, I call Tommy innovator of violence. Is there anything like that I could say? No, you could just say, hey, Dave LaGreca's friend, Jonathan Hood. All right. That's fine. That works. All right. So Dave LaGreca's friend, the one and only Jonathan Hood. Man, well, how are you, Jonathan? Man, it's good to hear from you, buddy. No, I'm I'm doing great. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, as as you and I, as wrestling fans from way back, going back to the territory days to where we are right now, I remember the caller that called in yesterday at the Busted Open. He was 66 years old, and he talked about how he watched wrestling during the time of Bruno San Martino and watched him as a kid to where we are right now. He says it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, and it is a great time to be a wrestling fan. So I'm just... I'm just happy that in 2019 we have so many other things besides the WWE. We have so many other things to talk about because when it was just one company, it became a little bit stagnant. But now we can compare other wrestling companies across the country and around the world. And as a wrestling fan, I'm thrilled to be able to do that. And Jonathan, that's a really good point by you because you've referenced a call from our show yesterday. A gentleman, like you said, that was 66 saying... And of all the decades and all the years that he was watching pro wrestling, this is the best time to be a wrestling fan. And I kind of agree. You know, probably I would maybe go back to, you know, when we first started watching in the early 80s. But if you look at what's going on right now with the WWE, with AEW, with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling. This is an amazing, exciting time. And the, and, and the resurgence of the NWA. What a, what a wonderful time to be a wrestling fan. But honestly, you wouldn't know it by reading social media and you wouldn't know it by some of the phone calls we get here on Busted Open. Oh, no, I get it. As, as a Busted Open Nation member, 
I listen all the time, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But here's the thing. For me as a wrestling fan, I'm just concerned about what I see on my screen, what I see on my tablet when I'm watching wrestling. Social media is not uh, is not necessarily something I'm looking at until after the shows are done. If I'm watching the NWA, in which I'm watching every Tuesday, I'm enjoying that show for the hour. If I'm watching MLW, I'm watching that show on BN Sports for the hour, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. See, here's the thing that will never happen for me as a fan that's been watching wrestling since 1978. One thing that for, for sure, outside influences will not uh, make me think otherwise of a show that I'm watching. They, it, you, you can read whatever you want, but for me, I'm going to always have my feeling. People can say whatever they want on social media. I will enjoy what I enjoy with wrestling. The thing is, with some of today's wrestling fans, for whatever reason, Dave, is that they're so focused on what wrestling writers are saying and so focused on what other fans are saying to try to kind of twist and turn their opinion. No, your opinion is your opinion. You don't worry about what someone else is thinking. You worry about what you enjoy as a wrestling fan. But here's the thing, Jonathan. You just said it. You've been watching wrestling since the late 70s. So I think your attitude and your love and your passion for pro wrestling is very, very different than somebody who may be in their 20s or may be watching wrestling for the first time. Um, Brian Alvarez, who has a new book called 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, um, and he's obviously works with Dave Meltzer. He is uh, a part of Wrestling Observer. Um, they have a, they've kind of changed the culture on how people watch pro wrestling. Maybe in a way you could talk about, you know, Busted Open has changed the culture on how people watch pro wrestling. I think when you look at right now to like when we were growing up, it's people watch it in a completely different way. Our information on wrestling was the wrestling magazines and it, and you know, those magazines were not a shoot. <laughs> See, there's a difference right there, right? When you and I are coming up, when we're going to the magazine stand and we're looking at Wrestling Eye or getting those uh, those aftermaths from back in the day, we were entertained by the posters and the information that was in there, even though a lot of it was not, not real, but it was just entertaining. Now, so many wrestling fans are concerned about the business of the wrestling business. And to me, it's really about... Hey, here's what's going on in the ring. Here's the presentation of the match. Here's the presentation of the show. Do I like it thumbs up or thumbs down? We get so concerned about ratings now. And listen, that's fun to talk about, but we can't be con so consumed about it as a wrestling fan that, well, since this show didn't win on this Wednesday night, that means that I shouldn't watch this show or this show sucks. Well, no. No, if you you enjoy what you would enjoy, we can't get caught up in newsletters and and what is being said online to shape our opinion as wrestling fans. I think that yes, it is a different era, but I still think at the same time we should be able to just enjoy what we see in the ring and enjoy the shows. Now, Jonathan, for for people who don't know, you're also a sports talk host. You you work also a little bit with NBA radio here on SiriusXM. You host on ESPN Chicago, where you talk about all sports. As a matter of fact, you were covering the Bears-Cowboys game last night. So you know this better than anybody. Is this just with when it comes to pro wrestling, or is this sports talk in general? Because it seems like even when it's whether it's the NBA, whether it's the N N NFL or Major League Baseball, Baseball, a lot of times people are more concerned about what's going on off the field than what's actually going on on the field. Well, I'll put it this way. 
I've never taken a phone call uh, already here in the NBA season about how the ratings are down in the NBA because the ratings are down in the NBA. So I haven't taken a call about that. But we do take calls on our wrestling content about Hmm. ratings and we talk about attendance and the thing that pisses you off like it pisses me off is that you go through your Twitter timeline and you see someone taking a picture of empty seats in arenas. Oh, that bothers the shit out of me. Like that that does that does nothing for me as a wrestling fan. And by the way, a lot of, more times than not those pictures of empty seats is some of those sections that are cordoned off, uh, you know, for for television and so they want to be able to embarrass an organization by saying, look at all these empty seats. This is not, so you shouldn't be interested in it. And that, that we talk about shaping the way wrestling fans look at things. They look at that picture and say, well, maybe that's not interesting. So look at, look at the, the, the ratings for the NFL, the ratings for the NBA, major league baseball, and, and the issues there as far as attendance and ratings in the regular season. Fans don't talk about that. I've never taken a call about that. People don't tweet me about that, but in wrestling here, in the in the sport that we love in wrestling, that's always a conversation. It's not just the in-ring. It's not just how a show can get better. It's about numbers. And again, that's a multiplication of, the, of wrestling in 2019. All right, so let, let's get to the bottom of it, because I think this is an interesting conversation. Because like you said, it, went, it came to a head yesterday with Bully and I with some of the phone calls. There seems to be like WWE loyalists that only care about the WWE and hate on AEW. And then there are fans that are, you know, AEW loyalists. And you know what? They hate everything that's WWE. How did this start? How did this culture start? Now, I can't really blame it on one person because, like you said, the, you know, the, the uh, you know, Meltzer and Dave Meltzer and, you know, what he's been doing. He's been doing that for decades. You know, he's been, do- you know, that newsletter has been around for a very, very long time. So what is the justification? What is the foundation? How did this start and why? I just, I just think it's the social media aspect, right? Like, OK, so. When we were wrestling fans in the in the late seventies, you and I in the, in the early eighties, and watching wrestling, and Alex asked the question: If there was Twitter, would we be talking? Would we have talked about mm. this on social media back then? Probably so, but maybe not as with as much vitriol. But because because here's the difference: back then we respected the sport for what it was, and just watching it because it was entertaining. And, and but it wasn't like uh, friends of mine, at least not in my circle. We're saying, well, the WWF sucks, and I like the NWA. No, they everyone because you know why? Because if you remember back in the day, they had all these wrestling blocks: WWF, NWA, AWA, yep. and you'd see wrestling for like six or seven hours on on a syndicated television show. So it wasn't like it sucked. You just liked it. You knew it was different and it was entertaining. But but no one was saying out loud, "This absolutely sucks. I'm not going to watch." You know, I, I don't know if, if if social media was back then that I would be saying that on social media in the '80s if it was around. Well, yeah, but here's the thing, Jonathan, doing busted open for over ten years. So for the longest time, WWE dominated. I know there was TNA, and TNA kind of, you know, made a little bit of a dent in 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 pro wrestling, and they they did their rating, and they they had some good live attendance and some good shows, and, and yeah, they hey, by the way they have their their numbers for TNA is what you see on SmackDown now from a numbers standpoint. Yeah, if you if you look at it, Bully talks about that a lot. <laughs> they 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 neared two million when they when they were on Spike TV, and I know that was a different era, and things have really changed in the way. 
you know, fans consume pro wrestling has definitely changed. But 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 people wanted something different from the WWE. They were kind of tired of the same old, same old. And now they're getting it and they seem to be unhappy. Like like I'm not telling people to turn off the WWE. I'm not I'm not telling people to stop watching the WWE. But what's wrong with watching MLW or AEW or New Japan? Like or ROH. Like I don't understand why everybody has to pick a side. And has did this start with the Monday Night Wars? Like with the Monday Night Wars, I guess there was the WWE fans against the WCW fans. It's, you know, and everybody wanted that war again. And is is that what's now been created in 2019? So you just you just hit it right there, my friend. You hit it right there because the Monday Night Wars made you choose. You just said it right there because you had a choice of. I mean, look, you could back in the day you could VCR and tape one. And watch the other. You maybe didn't can watch both at the same time. But you hit it right there. The Monday Night Wars made you choose. WCW or the WWF at the time. You had to choose one or the other. Because think about that before that. Before that, you could just watch casually what you wanted. But Vince McMahon, as well as Eric Bischoff, in that battle, told you that, hey, you may like wrestling as a whole, but you got to choose one or the other. Choose us because we are uh, the band of, of, of crazy... Um, uh, performers and and if for WCW and the WWF was like, hey, you know what? We're the Attitude Era. We have changed. So I, I think that right there, the line was drawn in the sand with that with those Monday Night Wars. Of course, ECW part of that as well. Now we can't forget about them. That even though it was is about Monday Night Wars, it's also about ECW as well. Hey, choose us. Look for your uh, on syndicated television on TNN back then. Choose us because we got something special for you on Friday nights. Like what you're hearing. Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Hats off to the NWA and, and a Stu Bennett, by the way, on the microphone. That will be an interesting thing with him doing color now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm, and I'm looking forward to Storm against Aldis for the NWA Championship. The question mark is now my favorite wrestler in 2019. Karate! <laughs> I, I love it because, you know what? How Georgia Championship Wrestling is a question mark. Hon- honestly, like, he comes in... And I could just see a Gordon Soley. Ah, the question mark is moving out now. Ah, ah, here he comes. And right through the curtain. You got to love a question mark because that is as old school as old school. Nobody knows who the question mark is. And that's, you know what? That's the essence of wrestling. We're not supposed to be able to go online and find out who the question mark is. Just enjoy the question mark for who he is. Karate. First of all, Jonathan Hood, let me praise you on your Gordon Soley impersonation. <laughs> And I love the fact you just said, appreciate the question mark for who he is. Right. <laughs> whoever he is. Yeah, right? whoever he is. Appreciate the man. And I'm glad you said appreciation because we need to appreciate pro wrestling. I, I can't believe I'm actually having this conversation. Like, I can't believe that you and I, like, if if if... If you and I knew we were doing a show a year ago, we thought we'd be talking about the history of world-class championship wrestling <laughs> or the history of Mid-South wrestling, or maybe we would have booked an interview with B. Brian Blair. Like, like that's what I thought you and I would be doing on a day like this. But you know what? I, this is a conversation we do need to have. Seriously. 
because I kind of want to get to the bottom of it. I want to understand why fans are taking sides. And, and yo, Jonathan, I don't know if you get it, but, like, if I'm on the air and I praise AEW, I get, like, and I, Alex Metz was screaming at his phone calls last yesterday on yesterday's show where somebody was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sucking AEW's ass. <laughs> was a line that a caller used because I praised the show yeah. from Wednesday night. And then if I praise NXT, then I'm a WWE mark and I'm on Vince McMahon's payroll. Like, it's ridiculous. That's why yesterday I just said, you know what my favorite show is? NWA. So yes. now, you know, now nobody can point the finger of blame when it comes to anything. NWA is my favorite show, and it's you know, and and that kind of puts the end to this whole silly AEW NXT argument. Yeah, you made the big reveal yesterday. That surprised me when I was driving around the car. I'm like, oh, Dave said it. There it is. He put it out there. I already knew the answer because yes. of our phone conversations. People have to know, by the way. This is just a just kind of an extension of me and Dave's phones conversations about wrestling. It's just now spilled over here on Busted Open. But now you you made the big reveal, and now nobody can mess with you, which is great. And Jonathan, come on, man, we we wanted this. I mean, and, and listen, this isn't taking anything away from the WWE. WWE's no. a monster, it, but people wanted options. And NXT is a, a third brand for the WWE that I love. I, I prefer NXT over SmackDown or Monday Night Raw. I think most of our fans would agree with it. And maybe you're the biggest NXT fan on the face of the earth. You love NXT. You sleep, eat, and breathe NXT. Well, what's wrong with then DVRing AEW and watching it at 10 o'clock or watching it the next day? I, I don't understand why everybody has to pick a side. Because if you remember when we were younger, Jonathan, like we had to go up against all these people that hated pro wrestling, oh said, God. why would you watch that? It's fake. What's wrong with you? Grow up. Now that we don't have that because pro wrestling is is part of pop culture. You know, ESPN talks about pro wrestling. So you really don't have that group of people that do it. So instead, it's like wrestling fans have to fight. So now we're going to fight amongst each other. Doesn't make yeah, any it, sense. It doesn't. It, it does not because we should be able to enjoy pro wrestling for for what it is. Keep in mind, when you had all these options back in the day, you, you you watched everything. Like it may not have been your cup of tea, but you didn't hate it. Remember, I'm I'm from Chicago, so I I come from Vern Gagne's TV in the AWA. You know, the AWA, the the home of ten thousand squash matches, five thousand great promos, and one angle a year. This is this is where I'm from here, watching the AWA. You know, so you know I'm I'm watching that on a regular basis. And Bob Luce's wrestling that that was owned with um, Bruiser and the Crusher back in the day. Those are the things I'm watching. So I'm watching that and all the wrestling and enjoying it because at least we have that as wrestling fans. Imagine if there's just one company, and and for years. Just recently, it was just one company to watch. Now we get so many other things to watch. It's really fun as a wrestling fan. And like with AEW, you're getting also Jim Ross. You're getting Tony Schiavone. You have Chris Jericho. You have John Moxley. So these are faces you're familiar with. And if right. you're and and if you're an AEW loyalist, and you know you've gotten tired of the WWE and the way WWE does things and how it's gotten stale, well, you can't say that about NXT. So like maybe you're not happy with Raw or SmackDown, but NXT is a completely different animal, it, you know. So I, I again I don't understand the hate. Well, uh, look at it from this standpoint. From NXT, 
Uh, I can understand why someone would be an NXT fan because it looks and smells and breathes like pro wrestling because Triple H's hands are on it. I I love NXT and I I really enjoy watching because it's a pro wrestling show. No frills, no silliness, no bad writing. It's just professional wrestling. Same thing with AEW. AEW has has got a, a lot of elements of old school wrestling in it in which you have longer matches, which I have no problem with. I have no problem with longer matches, especially when you have a thin roster. But what, what we're seeing here is we're seeing quality wrestlers like Moxley and Pac and uh, Cody and Jericho. And by the way, just, just between you and I, the real money is in Ray Phoenix as a singles. There, there's a guy that is exciting to watch. The real money eventually is going to be Jericho against Phoenix. So, so on both sides, when you have AEW with Champa, the Undisputed Era, and Finn Balor, and Keith Lee, and, and Finn Balor, Again, both rosters are filled with quality, and we haven't even talked about Raw and SmackDown because we don't have to. On Wednesday nights, we've got quality, and it's great. Yeah, and and again, if you don't like Raw or SmackDown, that's fine. It's funny. The people who hate on it the most are the people who still watch it every Monday and Friday. But you know, if 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 that's not your if that's not your thing, and you know you're not a WWE fan, then enjoy what you do watch. But don't hate on the people who do enjoy watching WWE. And at the end of the day, it's all pro wrestling. We, us fans, and you and I are fans at the end of the day. I mean, oh, yeah. I know we're I know we're media members, but we're fans at the end of the day. Like we need to band together. We, we we're all in this together. So let's celebrate pro wrestling and like that 66-year-old man that took forever to get his point across. <laughs> uh, you know, You're uh, terrible. You know, you know, I mean, time's running out on the guy, for God's sakes. You got other things to do. Get your freaking point across and move on. But glad that you made the phone call. Um, but, like, this is probably the best era of pro wrestling. So, you know what? Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Because... Five years ago, Jonathan, we never thought there'd be another company that could sell out a 15,000-seat building. We never thought there'd be another wrestling show on, on TNT. We never thought we'd see these things, and now we're getting it. So let's enjoy it. And honestly, even if you're a big WWE fan and WWE is your favorite, don't you want to see a company like AEW succeed? Believe me, they're not going to put the WWE out of business. They're not going to be canceling any of the WWE shows. But it's good for pro wrestling that there's other companies out there that are healthy. So you would think, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest WWE fan in the world, but you know what? I'm going to root for AEW because, as we always say competition is what's best for any company and finally wwe has another company out there that may not be a threat but at least will make them think about what they're doing and they're not going to mail it in each and every week okay let's talk about this from a historical context you've heard this phrase before but we might be educating people with this when we had florida wrestling when we had uh the chic in detroit when we had uh, the Von Erickson world class in Dallas when we had Don Owen in Portland, when we had um, wrestling in Georgia, obviously, in Mid-South. The one thing that would always be said by someone in those offices is, how's New York doing? How's New York doing? Meaning the WWE because it was known as New York, the New yep. York office. So, but, but here's the phrase that pays. The phrase would be, 
how's New York doing? Because what happens in New York will trickle down to our success as a wrestling company. And we're talking about the territories now, talking about in the 70s and 80s. But everything kind of was centered around what's New York doing? If New York's doing box office, if New York's doing well with pay-per-views, if New York is doing well as far as butts and seats at the Garden or in that territory at the time, now there's the trickle down. Because now the success of New York was in the magazines back then. People will talk about the WWF, whether you are a fan or not. But now, because of the interest, especially in the early times when Vince took over for his dad, now other companies were able to eat. Other companies were able to do well. The success of the WWE is why AEW is doing so well, because the success of the WWE with their tentpole events, you know, their WrestleMania and, and, and Royal Rumble and Survivor Series, their tentpole events, that when they are selling out those buildings and when there, there are people that are watching that show, that affects AEW where it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't like what I'm seeing here or I think it's okay, but if there's a wrestling event in my area as an AEW person, I'm going to go see it. Same thing with MLW, same thing with, with Impact and all the other companies. When New York does well, everyone does well. And so I think that still holds true today in 2019. Whatever you think of the WWE, people are going to AEW because they say, well, wrestling is cool again or it's interesting let me see wrestling in my area and so the success of AEW you can again AEW is doing fine for themselves but the WWE thumbs up or thumbs down is getting people to watch AEW if you don't know Sirius XM then listen up commercial free music plus sports comedy talk and news they have it all a lot of people think you need a car to enjoy Sirius XM but you don't you can listen outside the car right now you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just one dollar just go to Sirius XM busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Brian, how are you, man? What's going on? First of all, I can't believe this show has been on for over 10 years, and this is the first time that you've been on Busted Open. It's, it's astonishing. But there's a first time for everything, so today's the day. All right. Vince McMahon loves first time ever. And this is the first time ever, Brian. That's Uh, right. I'm very happy to be here. Brian, can you tell us, just before we talk about your book, can you tell us what irks you more in 2019? Is it wrestling fans or wrestling creative? Oh, man. It depends on the day. If it's it's during Raw, it's wrestling creative. If it's, uh, let's see, would it be... I guess it's Thursday afternoon is when we get the AEW NXT ratings. Thursday afternoon at about uh, 1.30 Pacific, it's by far for sure wrestling fans. So it all depends on the day in this situation. You know, and and it's it's funny, Brian, because, you know, when you tweeted out before that you were coming on the show today and we tweeted out that you are going to be a part of the show you would have thought it was AEW versus NXT. You cause a lot of controversy wherever you go. People love that you're coming on. People hating that you're coming on. Like, when you look at 2019, and Jonathan just said it, with wrestling fans, like, um, when I was growing up, when Jonathan was growing up, you know, we watched everything. Now, there were probably shows 
and organizations you preferred more than others. You know, I was a big NWA guy, but I still watched AWA and WWF. Does it surprise you that, like, fans are taking sides? Like, does it surprise you that there's all this hate, especially, Brian, for, like, over a decade, all fans wanted was another option? They get it, but yet there seems to be this blind loyalty going on. It surprises me a little bit because it's exactly like you said. That's what everybody wanted forever was an alternative. And we finally have an alternative. It's on national television. It's on TNT. It's on a strong network. And and there's a strong group of fans that just wanted to, to fail. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned when you were a kid and, and watching everything. I think one of the differences today is if you were watching, I realize like the, the – Saturday night 605 show was two hours, but there were a lot of shows uh, when a lot of us were younger that were only an hour. Like when the Monday night war started raw and nitro were only an hour each. So you could watch both of those shows and you were spending two hours of your week watching wrestling. And then the following Monday you watch two hours again. And we're now at this point where, you know, it just to follow raw, you're watching three hours. If you want to follow Raw and SmackDown, you're watching five hours. If you want to add NXT to that, you're watching seven hours. And then, of course, there's the pay-per-views on top of that, which used to be, you know, two hours and 45 minutes. Now we're talking uh, three and a half hours, four hours, five hours if you count the pre-show. I mean, there's so much wrestling that you have to watch just to follow WWE that I think some fans is like, that's their wrestling is WWE. And there's now an AEW that's two hours. And you, you just, most people can't watch all of that wrestling. And so I think that there's some fans that have just decided they're going to watch WWE. They don't want to hear about New Japan. They don't want to hear about AEW. They don't want to hear about anything. They don't want to hear that it's better. They don't want to hear that people like it. To them, their wrestling is WWE, and they just don't want to hear that there's something else out there. Brian, when you host your show with Vinny and Craig, when you go back and look at the Raw and Nitros from 19, 20 years ago, I, I always wonder about what if what if social media was around during that time? Oh. You know, I mean, what, what do you think that it would have been like? It would Twitter and social media having a divide in this between the Monday Night Wars with Raw and and Nitro? I mean, I think it would be exactly what you see today. It just depends on how big how big the social media would have been back then. I mean, obviously now, you know, look at all the people that have, that are on some form of social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, whatever. I mean, it, it's complete insanity. And there was a lot of insanity in uh, the 90s, but it was different because, you know, if you wanted your voice heard, you had to write a letter somewhere, you had to call into a radio show somewhere, you had to write a letter to the observer. You know, it was a lot harder to get an individual's voice than it is today. And so I think it would have been just as insane back then as it is now, but it's hard to say because the wrestling landscape was also different. It was the nineties, you know, the fans, one thing about today is the fans are, are they're, they're horrible on social media. I mean, I, I hear it every day from people in wrestling, the toxic fans. It's the word I hear every day. Toxic. It's Twitter's toxic. But the reality is when you go meet people, like if, if if I went to StarCast, like when I went to StarCast, every single person that came up to me was so nice. 
Like everybody that, that attended StarCast, just the nicest group of fans. Everybody was polite, patiently waiting in line. If you remember like the fans in the 90s, I mean, think about what they used to chant at shows. They would throw things at the ring. I mean, they, they, were, they were much worse fans, quite frankly, in real life in the 90s than they are here today. Now it's like, you know, a friendly group of fans that just a lot of them happen to have social media and there's no filter on it and there's no consequences to what they say or do. So they just go crazy. Yeah, and and I agree with you that if there was social media back in the '90s during the Monday Night War, we'd be getting something very, very similar. Who knows? It may be even worse because people were taking sides like that. And and listen, and Jonathan, we've talked about this. Like I know, like when I tuned into TBS on July 14th, 1984, and saw Vince McMahon's face instead of Gordon Soley, like that would give you a reason to hate the WWE, but. Like now here in 2019, I, you know, you. I mean, I think it's possible to say, you know what? I loved it. I wish people would praise more what's good about pro wrestling right now than point out what's bad about pro wrestling. Or or maybe, you know, Brian, that doesn't make for a good, uh, good conversation. It doesn't, but it's just like anything else in the world. It's, it's much easier to complain about something than to, I mean, I shouldn't say easier. But people have more of a tendency to point out things that are wrong than to talk about things that are great. And, you know, there's a lot of people that they don't listen to, they don't listen to my shows, they don't read the newsletters, they just hear a blurb here or on the internet. And it's like, oh, I hope Brian never does complain. Oh, Brian never does, he just hates everything. And yeah, I mean, you may see a clip or you may see somebody talking about something that I hate it, but really, there's so much stuff that I love about wrestling, especially on Wednesdays. I mean, it's funny that people go so crazy about, oh, you know, Brian's biased towards AEW and Brian's being paid by AEW. Does no one listen to my reviews of NXT? I love NXT. I absolutely love NXT. I love AEW. I love the main roster when things are good, but unfortunately, I think a lot of the time things are things are not good, but not, not everything's perfect. Yeah. Well, Brian, about your book, 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, I'm interested in trying to find out from you what was your, your thought process of putting this book together. What, were you, what was going through your mind as you were writing this? Well, I'd done the death of WCW, and the death of WCW has been in print for like 15 years. And it's still the Audible book and the paperback and hardcover and Kindle. I mean, they'll still be in the Amazon top 10 in wrestling uh, regularly. So it was a very, very successful book. It was about something that, you know, was the boom period. Everybody knew about WWF and WCW in the war. So, but it was very hard to write. It was, it was very, very difficult. And we ended up doing the uh, updated edition which was not as hard, but it was still very, very hard. And so when I finished Death of WCW, I had no intention of ever writing another book again. And I had people ask me to do a TNA book, and I was like, I'm not doing a TNA book. And, you know, just different various ideas. And I, when I was approached about this one, the 100 Things book, I basically saw it as kind of an opportunity to write a book about everything WWE related. I'd already written a book about everything WCW related. And I figured at the time that, well, you know, everybody, everybody knows WWE. 
So, you know, I can write a book. I can kind of write about everything. I can I can study it. I grew up a WWF fan. I mean, when I was a kid, that's what was on television around here. I, I, I got an NWA a little bit later because then I found that. But, you know, I, I started watching WWF. And I've watched WWF without any breaks, exceptions, or anything since, like, 1986, 1987. So this was my chance to write about it. And I, I figured, you know, if I'm going to do one more book, I'm going to do this one here. And so that's why I chose to do it. You know, it's funny, Brian. It's it's a WWE book that's not a WWE book, which means that, like, you know, it's not published by the WWE, which we normally see. Was there any pushback with you releasing this book? I heard nothing. Wow. And when the publisher approached me, I mean, when they drew up the cover, I mean, if you look at the cover of the Death of WCW reissue, I mean, it's like a gold stamp with the words Death of WCW. There's no photos. There's nothing. So when they approached me with the cover, it's like Becky Lynch is on the cover. And she's right front and center in the cover. And I think Roman Reigns and some others. And I was thinking, man, you know, I'm, I'm not sure we can even do this cover. But, you know, they said, ah, oh, we can do the cover. We can do the cover. And so they did it, and I never heard anything. I never heard any blowback about the book. I mean, I, I felt that I was fair. I mean, as far as, like, the content of the book, I did everything I could to try to write the most fair book that I could. So, no, I never heard, I never heard any negativity, anything like that, about publishing a, a, an unauthorized WWE book. Brian, what is Corey Graves' problem? What's his issue? What's his malfunction? What's his? Well, I don't. I don't understand why he's uh, attacking you and Dave on Twitter. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, he could pick up the the telephone if he has an issue about what you guys are writing or saying. What's his problem? Well, that's a that's a very good question. I mean, he he did a tweet burying Mauro Ranallo for his job that he did at Takeover, and you know, Mauro had a breakdown over it. And I was upset about it, and Dave was upset about it, and a lot of fans were upset about it. And, you know, Morrow was, was very defensive. I think that that's the thing about the story that was, that was irritating to me, was how defensive he was. It wasn't like, you know what, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. It was, well, I'm going to double down. And he came after Dave, and then I made a comment. The, the whole comment was exactly what you said. Like, he was so mad... Dave Meltzer's not calling me. Dave Meltzer's not calling me. All of this is inaccurate. Dave Meltzer's not calling me. And all I did was tweet out, you've got a phone. I don't remember you calling Morrow. I don't remember even my tweet was. It was just like, to me, it was an innocuous tweet. I was just irritated, so I tweeted that. And, I mean, next thing you know, there's, there's 10,000 likes and 8 million comments. And, you know, I never heard another thing from Corey Graves. And, you know, he, he never took the offending tweet down. I was... I mean, he, he apologized to Frank Shamrock, MMA fighter and manager, but he didn't apologize tomorrow, which I thought was pretty cowardly. Like, you're going to apologize to the guy that can, you know, pummel you, but not the guy that you actually really badly put in a bad state. And, you know, I think to Corey, it was all about, man, it's, it, I'm the victim here. Look what happened to me. I mean, I had... I had all these things, and people were doing this, and people were saying this. And it's like, what about what you said tomorrow? That's the bottom line. What about what you said tomorrow? And there was – there was I, I, I don't know what the status of it is now. Tomorrow's back at least. But it was just a very, very bad situation. I thought he handled it very, very badly. 
and that was it. Now, I know he uh, publicly apologized, Corey Graves, uh, and we talked about, the Bully and I talked about this at length on the show, and and listen, I think we all agree that Morrow is phenomenal on commentary. Morrow's somebody that, you know, probably isn't suited for a three-man booth on a show because, you know, he's so, you know, listen, you know, you didn't need uh, too many commentators with the Joey Styles. Like, he's he's so good at what he does that probably, you know, Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix probably don't get a lot of airtime during the broadcast because that star of Moro Ronaldo shines so bright. So I'm not saying that everything that Corey said, listen, maybe he made some good points. You know, maybe he's like, hey, you know what? Maybe he can tone down, though I don't think that would suit him. But I don't, I just don't understand why you would choose to go to social media to make those remarks. Like, yeah. if yeah, you, if, the- yeah, if like, if, if you really felt that way, then maybe you might want to say that to somebody within the organization that you all work with and say, you know what, maybe a three-man booth's not suited for Morrow or something. But to, to go to social media knowing they had publicly said that, you know, he has problems with anxiety and problem with dealing things with things, especially publicly, I, I just don't – I scratch my head wondering why he made that decision to go to social media. Well, I mean, there's, there's even media. more to it than that, because you got to remember that that whole thing with Mauro Ronaldo and JBL, I mean, Corey Graves was on the show that day. It's not like Corey Graves doesn't know that Mauro can be set off like this. And then when Corey tweeted me, he was like, well, you don't understand how this world works. And like, yeah. for a little while, I, I was like, what are you talking about? And then I figured it out that what he was saying was, well, I'm just it's, I'm just working. You know, it's the old pro wrestling thing. Like you can be a total a total jerk, and if somebody calls you on it, you just say, "I'm just working, brother." That's what he was saying. And to me, it was even more irritating because if you're working, okay, if you're trying to do an NXT versus Raw SmackDown feud because of Survivor Series weekend, because that's what he's claiming he's doing. Why don't you bury Nigel and Beth Phoenix? Like, if you want to go on social media and do some sort of goofy storyline, then what you do is you bury the whole announce team. You just say, we're going to show the NXT announce team how it's done at Survivor Series. Something like that. But he didn't do that. He targeted one guy. He targeted Morrow. He put over Beth. He put over Nigel. So once you do that, to me, I mean, this is not the Survivor Series weekend feud. This is going after one guy on social media. And if you really have a problem with the guy, if you actually have a problem with how much he talks, then you go to him in private over Survivor Series weekend when you know you're going to be in the same place. You say, Morrow, you know what? Sometimes you go a little bit crazy. Maybe you should let Morrow and Nigel talk a little bit more. You don't do it on social media. No, absolutely. And when I first saw the tweet, and I'm just going to say what I've said on the air about it, yes, Morrow could give a little bit more to Nigel and Beth because they do have something to offer. You don't have to call every single move. No, you don't have to do that. But Morrow's still the best, having said that. And, and Dave, you're talking about a three-person booth. Well, you know, Morrow has done this in MMA and boxing. It's not like he's not used to it. And if you listen to those broadcasts, Morrow is actually giving more to the analysts. So what Corey, the premise of what Corey said is true. Yeah, I would want to hear more from Nigel because I think he's one of the best, if not the best color man in the business. And Beth is really coming along strong. She does a really good job. But here's the thing, Brian, that's so funny about this. If you're going to send that tweet out and you say, oh, I'm just working. Well, is this supposed to be a WrestleMania match between Morrow and, and Graves? 
Is that a match that we're going to be seeing sometime soon? If, if you if if you are trying to say, well, I'm just doing it tongue in cheek, then and you know the issues with Mauro, then why would you do it? It clearly was on purpose. It's something that he should have went face to face. Yeah, he did it on purpose, not for effect. And and by the way, when it comes to the, the apology, he said on his podcast after the bell that he apologizes, but never apologized to Mauro. Here's the, what's going to be interesting. These two, Morrow and Graves, will not see each other more than likely until Tampa and WrestleMania. What's that going to be like when you have a million uh, announce tables around the ring as they do in the WWE? The NXT table is going to be there. Morrow and Corey are going to have to see each other at some point. What is going to happen there? This is all started by Graves. It was totally unnecessary. Or if, or if Morrow may not be comfortable and maybe has problems with anxiety and stuff leading into that where he may not want to do the broadcast. You know, yeah, it's, we're, we're it, gonna have to find out. I I don't know how it's gonna end up. All right, let's get back to the book, cause uh, cause Brian, I I I did read this book. I love the book. I think this would make a perfect holiday gift for a WWE fan, for a pro wrestling fan, because I love the fact that you get into and and this is not. I have to say, this is not the typical WWE book. And when I say that, I don't mean that in a negative way. Meaning that you do talk about things that probably a lot of WWE publications wouldn't do. For example, Chris Benoit. You bring up Chris Benoit, and I know, and you've said this publicly, you had a relationship with Chris Benoit. I'm sure that must have been a tough part of the book for you to do. Yep, I I knew him uh, pretty well, actually. And when he killed his family, you know, I was doing the Figure Four Weekly newsletter every week, and so I had to write, I had to write about it. And when it happened, I sat down one day and I just started typing, and I wrote up the entire newsletter with all of the info about you know what I'd known about him and. Anyway, when I was done, I published it, and then I never read it back. Not one time. I never proofread it. I just, I just, I, I couldn't. And so I moved on. And I always had people saying, oh, man, that, that issue of Figure Four was, was so great, blah, blah, blah. I learned so much. And, but I, ne- I never looked at it. And so when I had to write this chapter, I mean, I remember – a lot about that period, but there was also stuff that I didn't remember because I totally blocked it out of my mind. So I had to go back. I had to read that newsletter for the first time. I had to go back and find a letter that he had sent me after Eddie Guerrero passed away and read that. I put the letter in the books, first time I ever published it anywhere. I had to go back and and relive all of that stuff, and it was brutal to remember all of that. And is, is, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I, I do another show where we review uh, Raw Nitro from the Monday Night Wars. And I had been watching all of these Chris Benoit matches. And it was, it was, I was able to separate what I was watching on TV from what really happened, just trying to watch it and just watch the matches and, and not really think about it too much. But, you know, things were different after I reread everything and, and wrote that chapter. I mean, it's, it's much more difficult to watch Benoit's matches uh, today than it was before uh, when I blocked a lot of stuff out of my mind and, and was able to separate it. So it was a very, very hard chapter to write. But, you know, they asked me when, when we were talking about doing the book, they said, you know, is this going to be, 
a book for kids or is this going to be a book for everybody? Like, are we going to talk about Hulk Hogan's sex tape? Are we not going to? And I said, listen, I'm going to write this book the best I can for everybody. So, like, if you're 11 and you want to read this for a book report, like, you can. But it's going to talk about everything. And I won't be, I won't be explicit about, you know, Hogan's sex tape or anything like that. I, I won't be explicit or anything, but, you know, I want this book to be for everybody. If, if you're a fan who's been watching for 50 years, books for you. If you're a kid who's 11, who knows nothing about anything, You'll learn something about WWE and the books for you. But yeah, we cover everything. Brian, when you I know you get this often, whether it's on the phone lines or in emails about Benoit and the Hall of Fame. What is, what is usually your reaction to Benoit and the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, the thing with Benoit and the Hall of Fame is Dave Belzer, the Observer, he set up a very specific set of rules. And it's modeled after the Baseball Hall of Fame. You talk to a lot of people. And basically what it is is there's a list of names, and all of the readers vote. And if somebody gets 60%, they go in. And it has nothing to do with what Dave wants. It has nothing to do with what I want. I mean, there's people that Dave thinks should be in that aren't. There are people I think should be in that aren't. There are people that we think should be in that uh, that shouldn't be in that are. I mean, it's, it's, it's just this is the readers. It's up to the readers to vote. So Benoit went in, and then I think it was two or three years later, maybe. I forget the year that he went in, but then he killed his family. And so, you know, everybody was, was clamoring. He's got to be removed. He's got to be removed. He's got to be removed. So so Dave talked to people who do real Hall of fame, Halls of Fame, and his question was, if this happened in baseball, for example, you know, how would it be handled? And the answer was, well... There's another vote. And if 60% vote to remove, then you remove him. And if they don't, then he's in and it's over. And so Dave, that's what Dave did for the Observer. And he, he explained what was going on. He explained the rules. I mean, there was no question about what was happening. And everybody voted. And I don't remember the number, but it was under 60%. And so because it was under 60%, he's in. And so that's just the way that it worked and you know people get mad they get mad about the hall of fame every year they get mad about the observer voting oh i can't believe dave gave kenny omega this or that like dave didn't give anybody anything he doesn't put anyone in or out of the hall of fame this is all in the hands of the readers the readers put benoit in and the readers voted not to remove him and so he's in and dave just felt that was the fairest way to do it you know, going back to the book, and I, and I love how you broke down the book because you give bios and stories of of all the special characters and personalities and wrestlers that WWE fans that maybe of a younger generation would not know but should know. And then you get into like activities and events that WWE fans should go to as well. Obviously, you know, WrestleMania. Uh, and it got me thinking, because I'm looking at and this has been a big argument in the 10 years that we've been on the air. And everybody has a different opinion. And you can tell the, uh, the difference of opinion from generation to generation. So I'll ask you, Brian, who is the biggest superstar in the history of the WWE? Oh, man. Well, I have, I have two answers, and one of them is kind of cheating. The biggest superstar is The Rock. 
but that's because he went on and made movies. Yeah, not for, became, necessarily because of his career. Okay. Sure, because he became the biggest movie star in the world, and like everybody knows who The Rock is. So if you want to kind of cheat and look at it from that perspective, it's for sure The Rock. Now, if you look at just in pro wrestling, I think the answer is Hulk Hogan. I mean, he's, he's, he's just the most famous professional wrestler. He wasn't, I mean, Steve Austin at his peak drew more money. And, you know, you could even argue like Vince McMahon, because I think really everybody knows who Vince McMahon is. But, you know, he was, he was barely a wrestler. I mean, he was a wrestler, but it was just more of a gimmick thing. But I, I think the answer is, is Hulk Hogan. He, you know, if you're in the Northeast, maybe you would say Bruno San Martino. Um, if you're looking at, like, the whole history of wrestling from, from the beginning to the end, I mean, it probably would be Jim Londos, who was just absolutely incredibly gigantic to a degree that people don't understand, but nobody knows about him. So I think that my, my response would be Hulk. Yeah, and, and just going back, because I remember, you know, growing up in New Jersey, I would go to the Meadowlands to see wrestling. And if Hogan was on the card, you would get a sold-out show. If he was not on the card, you would get 4,000 people. Like, yes. and, and, and I don't think a lot of fans realize it. And listen, we, we know this throughout the decades, obviously that his name has gotten tarnished. Whether it's like the perception of what he did in WCW and now with the sex tape and everything else, like people perceive him in a different way. But I'm being completely honest. I would be at the middle, and I was not a Hogan fan. I was, I was not a quote-unquote Hogan guy. But that arena would shake when I the Tiger would play and he would be coming down the entrance ramp. And then I would go the next month and he's not on a card and there'd be 4,000 people. When it comes to Stone Cold Steve Austin, they th that period of the WWF sold out no matter where yeah. who was on the card and where they were. So I, I, I kind of gauge it by that. Well, I mean, the thing you got to look at too is the thing with, with Steve Austin, Steve Austin lit... WWF on fire. So, yes, he rose everything. Like, he made WWE popular, which in turn led to everybody going to WWF shows. So, he himself on the card, I mean, if, if he were on a card, you know, you're going you're gonna to probably, I mean, you'll easily sell out. But if he's not on the card, you may sell out anyway. And, and that's the thing. It's exactly like you said with Hogan. It was the same thing in the AWA. If he was on the card... I mean, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that bought a ticket just to see him. And if he wasn't on the card, they didn't buy a ticket. And I think that, like, you know, there's a lot of fans, younger fans today, that have zero concept of the draw in professional wrestling because it doesn't exist anymore. Now it's totally all about the brand. If WWE is hot, they sell a lot of tickets. If WWE is cold, they don't sell a lot of tickets. And you, you can have Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. You know, John Cena, John Cena moved numbers a little bit, but not like Hulk Hogan. John Cena maybe went from, you know, you do 5,500 without him, you do 7,000 with him or something like that, but nothing like what Hulk Hogan did. And, and John Cena hasn't done that for years. So there's nobody today that does what Hulk Hogan did. And, the, you know, there was, there's been nobody that did what Hulk Hogan did for, for ever. Ryan, uh, I'm wondering, uh, based on the, the readers at the Wrestling Observer and in your inbox, does 
CM Punk resonate uh, like he did when he was with the WWE. He was, by the way, him and his wife, April, AJ Lee, were on television. They showed a glimpse of him at the Bears-Cowboys game, so they were at Soldier Field last night. The CM Punk resonate with viewers and listeners as he did when, when he wrestled? No. I mean, it was really weird. Everybody has said the exact same thing, which was, you know, I never thought, I never thought that CM Punk would return to, you know, they call it a WWE show, but I mean, it's, it's a Fox show. And there's been, boy, have I got it over that one. But I mean, that's what it is. It's a Fox show. To think that he would come back in 2019 and his big debut was in the last minute of a show that aired after midnight. And, you know, that was his return. And the first big show he did, 180,000 viewers. And, I mean, it's, it's just, it's really amazing how little people care when he actually came back versus how much three, four weeks ago they acted like they would have cared if he came back. And granted, you know, if he would have debuted in Chicago for Survivor Series and came back as a wrestler, we'd be having a totally different conversation. But that's not what happened. He came back to WWE backstage, and it was like, it wasn't even that big. I mean, you know, Punk did the video where he goes, I'm not just going to break social media, I'm going to break the world. It's like, he didn't break the world. He didn't even break social media. I mean, people talked about it, and they were over it, and they've moved on. I mean, I, I, I figure next week on the show it's going to do a good number, but, you know, you're talking a good number. A, a, a great number was 180,000 viewers. So it's just amazing that that's his big return to this world. It's pretty crazy. Brian, man, I'm sorry we kind of bogarted all your time this morning. I mean, honestly, we could talk to you for hours. And we really, you know, because you've avoided us for 10 years. For 10, oh. for 10 years, <laughs> 10 years, you've avoided this show. So, well, I mean. I, what I've honestly done is I've lived on the West Coast with very, very late hours. So, okay. I got up very early this morning. Uh, we, and we appreciate that. Dave Meltzer, forget it. Ghost. I mean, the guy, you know, <laughs> that never, it doesn't even call me back or whatever. But that's, that, I digress. I'm glad that you came on. And honest to God, I love the book. The book, again, is 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's the perfect gift for a wrestling fan. Make sure you get it. I'm sure it's available everywhere, Amazon.com. But, uh, Brian, truly, truly appreciate the time, and thank you so much, and have a great holiday season, and good luck with the book. Thanks so much, you guys as well. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast.